Welcome to the Places Plus podcast. I'm your host, Alan Cameron. In this podcast, we'll step into the world of shared and public spaces, where you'll learn the strategies, tactics, and attitude to become profitably and successfully involved in the in-between spaces of our towns and cities. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, and today I'm very pleased to have Monica Albonico joining us. Monica, welcome. Thank you very much, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. In terms of your work, you're an established professional architect and urban designer who for the past 22 years has run Albonico Sachs Meta City, a successful architect and urban design consultancy involved in a variety of complex projects in and around Joburg and abroad, including public transport interchanges, mixed-use precincts, high street rejuvenations, commercial headquarters, and several notable public works projects. Your work has been featured in local and international journals alongside other notable professionals. And in 2019, your contribution to the field was recognized by the Urban Design Institute of South Africa with invitation to deliver the fifth Rulof S. Aiton Bogart Urban Design Institute of South Africa Memorial Lecture. Now, your firm is working with Wits University to reimagine its edge with Bramfontein, the adjoining suburb and implement several placemaking projects. And that's really going to be the focus of our discussion today. But before we get into that, and for the benefit of myself and those listening, I'd like to explore your background. I'd love to hear more about your architectural training, which you completed in Argentina, and then your master's in urban design at Wits University. I'm curious, Monica, did you grow up in Argentina? Yes, uh, Alan, I just came back after I completed my degree in architecture with an architect that um, was quite influential in my career, Miguel Angel Roca. Um, we came to do some work uh, with uh, two offices here related to housing, uh, public housing. And I just became fascinated with the conditions, the South African uh, city's condition at that time, which were completely different to my experience growing up in Latin America. And uh, that really prompted my interest for urban design. Mm. And I felt that I needed to equip myself better to deal with the issues that were really affecting uh, cities at the time and, mm. and the country, obviously. And I studied at WITS and completed my master um, in urban design which was a wonderful experience at the time and continues to be up to date. Oh, wow, thanks. Um, in, your, in the material on your company website and in this particular project, you speak about an interest related to urban transformation, cultural spaces, heritage, and sustainable human settlements in cities. And I'm wondering, where, did, where do you feel this interest came from? Where did it come from? And did you find that expressed in the interest to study architecture in the first place? I think it, it, it just came into a, a different context, huge contrast uh, with what was Latin America at the time, but also finding a lot of similarities in the big challenge related to just social conditions, economic challenges, distribution, spaces that weren't equitable or just. Um, and I think that that 
probably was what took me in the direction to my journey <laughs> as an architect, as an urban designer. And there's still questions that I still pursue. I don't think I got answers, but um, luckily I have managed to have experience in working in different contexts, not only in South Africa, but also in other African cities. And yeah, developing mm. experiences that um, I hope to be able to share. That sure. Together we can come up with some solutions. I have a, a question around urban transformation. It's, it feels like a really big uh, theme. How, how would you define urban transformation? Just focusing in, in South African context mm. is probably the bigger issue. Um, how we connect, how we integrate, how we come together uh, after um, a history of separation, fragmentation, uh, and victimization. I think that is something that is a very big weight to carry, uh, not only as a society, but as, as a designers and, and thinkers of, uh, of public, uh, public life. I'll maybe um, point the topic to the project that we're going to be discussing today, which is the Brahm Participatory Street Furniture Design Project. In terms of an urban transformation motivation for that project, can the two be linked? I think it, it, that, that, that issue reflects or it manifests itself in different forms in different parts of the city. It's not unique to us trying to connect with Soweto or form better linkages with Alex. I think each neighborhood, each district, each part of the city have a question to answer. And in this particular context, Brownfontein, uh, being uh, the, the kind of home of Wits, um, brings not only the societal uh, issues, but also the role that the university anchor in the heart of the seed, what the role it can play to really explore and, and resolve some of those separations and fragmentation that exist. Mm. Now, speaking about that role that the, the university can play to um, create the, um, a more of a united area design, and for those listeners who aren't familiar with Bramfontein, it's a and the Witz, uh, it's a, a large area of, of Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, the work, Monica, it doesn't happen without the vision, and we've spoken a little bit about that vision. How how does that type of conversation start with the client in terms of, of an eventual outcome of how to integrate uh, Wits University and Bramfontein? Where does that start with the client and what is the client's vision for the project? I think this is a very relevant question and without paraphrasing, I was just trying to take you through input that, that Professor Sineblon, uh, which is the Vice-Chancellor, of Wits. And um, talking about Wits, he started saying that after all, Wits is a city university. We are as much part of Johannesburg's DNA as Johannesburg is part of ours. And I think that, in a way, encapsulates their position 
not only related to Bramfontein, but the role that they have played in building the city, building Johannesburg, with its connections to the mining processes and engineering component that actually gave birth to to Vitz. And and also what happened subsequently, how the city grew and the role that university is playing in a much more competitive environment uh, today in terms of education. And I think that is is probably the, the starting point. Then is questioning how the campus could actually become an asset for the area and how it could actually be could establish better relationship between um, the, the the two sections. I mean, uh, as you as you indicated, Vitz is a is a large property holding in Bramfontein, and in the last let's say ten years, gradually has become more focused on student accommodation, uh, youth culture, um, bringing products. And, and development that relate more to the creative industries. And one of the ideas and, and actions that um, WITS have taken is beginning to establish um, different kind of um, other research institutes or, or units outside uh, the campus so that can actually have a better relationship with the community the immediate community and also the larger community of, uh, of researchers, academics, and uh, people that are interested in that particular field of uh, work or research. Now, previously, you've said that that community is there to sustain whatever investment is made into the area. And as you've spoken, it's, you've described a process whereby WITS is encouraging uh, the formation of community by having activities, as I understand it, outside its traditional campus borders. How how can the community sustain the investment made into the area in this instance? The different stages, and I must say that I've been um, walking around Ramfontein recently, and I think the impact of um, COVID is mm. very evident. Because the main focus was to create um, like uh, opportunities for a small business or new entrepreneurs. Um, and if we looked at what was happening um, three years ago, it was basing, was a lot of uh, new initiatives in food, restaurants, entertainment art galleries, clothing, so many different, bookmaking, I mean, just really amazing um, array of, of different uh, products made, promoting from there, mostly run by very small business and young people, which was incredibly stimulating and uh, encouraging. I think I think uh, COVID had an enormous impact on that, mm. uh, and, and I think one has to still have to understand uh, what will be if some of them will be able to rebound, but it's not that it's, it doesn't have to be with the space. It has to do more with the 
um, the circumstances. Sure. Um, I still see um, many young entrepreneurs that I've managed to, to retain their presence there, which is very, very encouraging. And with the work that we have done in terms of the audit and collecting information and hearing what um, Bram Fontaine uh, users have to say, uh, they still find that they're supported by those business and they still love the area and they mm. still find things that talk to them. Okay. But from my perspective, I can see the impact. Like I said, it's sure. been like a, an enormous um, yeah. transformation. From, yeah, from when pre-COVID the area was buzzing with um, huge amounts of, of, of informal or formal ground floor retail and other activities to being a lot quieter. Now, and encouraging the strengthening of community in the Brownfontein area it obviously encourages the, you know, the robustness of the whole uh, university and its and its property portfolio. Now, the Bramfontein Participatory Street Furniture Design Project is participatory in name, but it's also participatory in design. And the project program is designed to be implemented over over eight months. And at each stage, there are interviews, stakeholder engagements calls to action, and even social media campaigns. And this is um, each of those I'd love to chat about, uh, as, you've, as you've already mentioned in your previous comment. Before we get there, I'd like to ask, why the focus on participation? For, for us, uh, and especially in my experience as an urban designer, it's, a, it's an approach that has just been present in all the work that uh, we have done. Uh, also, it's got a very collective kind of uh, uh, team that brings different experiences, perspectives, and I believe in the value of engaging with complex issues uh, in that way. Uh, I mean, the, the furniture, in a way, is, 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 a, is, a, is an excuse <laughs> to, to continue uh, this journey of trying to understand what works better in our cities, what becomes more meaningful to people that are actually making uses of the spaces, uh, almost um, uh, interrogating um, our work. Uh, I mean, we, we've been involved in Bramfontein for a very long time. The work that uh, we're doing is we're doing it in association with MMA architects. I don't know if you know of them, Petty Morogeli. And we also got the support of one-to-one -one agency of engagement, which focuses on participatory planning. And uh, the donor also um, was interested in really supporting work that would not only leave something as legacy, but also will... Develop, uh, just develop approaches that may be relevant to our context um, to improve the, the quality of our public space. So if, if in your um, application for donor funding, you were to say, you know, you're a professional, you've got decades of, of experience, you're highly qualified, um, uh, you're working with um, you know, a client who's also familiar with the area, 
why would you need to go back to the users of the space? What if they tell you things that you don't necessarily want to hear or go against your better judgment? Just looking at how public space uh, continues to be a big question for us, especially in South Africa, that we see that in many cases is not properly maintained or not used in the best way possible or supported with programming. Um, one of the things that is for me quite critical when we think about public spaces, we only think about the fixed elements, but what really keep public spaces alive is, is, is engagement and possibilities of that, engage, uh, that engagement. Uh, it's about socialization, it's about encounter, it's, it's about being together and feeling comfortable in being together. And we constantly, uh, because of serious issues related to safety and security, those things are not necessarily possible. And then spaces get abandoned or, or not used in the proper way, uh, in a more collective way. And, and like I said, I mean, I do have a lot of experience, but I don't think we have all the, all the answers. And as it, it is a, a youth kind of a community, the predominantly uh, user of, of Bramfontein and students and WITS and UJ, um, when we talk about community, it's a, quite a temporal community because they're there for maximum four years and they move on. The idea was to bring other kind of a residential components to see if one could actually start seeing a more permanent uh, grouping that will also be interested in being part of this process. But, but at the moment, it's what it is. It's just, like I said, predominantly young uh, population, transient, but that at a very special stage of their lives. The, the intention is how we enrich that experience that the time in, uh, at university becomes not only about what they learn from the courses they are taking, but also the life experience. And that obviously is, as you said before, um, public space and public life is part of that life experience. Okay, so take us through the stages of this project. There, how, how did you decide on the sites, the specific sites, Jorison and Bertha Streets? Very, very simply, it's because it's the age of uh, VETS interfacing with Brandfontein. And because it's, it's a project initiated by VETS with the idea that we extend it um, in the rest of uh, Brandfontein, working together with the BID, uh, the Brandfontein Improvement uh, District uh, Grouping, uh, the idea was okay which could actually initi initiate something uh, that will bring people together and there will be obviously different questions being asked by different participants, uh, different interests that will actually be highlighted and uh, was, was just a, a, a starting point for this conversation. And as you've mentioned, the, the focus 
of the of the project is around uh, street furniture, even though that's perhaps not the final motivation. But a audit of street furniture was taken uh, on the sites, and I was wondering what are some of the observations made that were important to you in the initial audit phase. I think the the street audit has been a really fantastic process, coordinated by one of our colleagues is 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 uh, one of the principals at ASM at my firm. Using very innovative techniques, um, um, ArchGIS, a survey one two three, but apply in a very purposeful manner uh, that actually been able to show quite amazing results. Not only to identify what is there in a very accurate way using surveyors drawings. And um, really the mapping process, which is part of our work as planners and architects, but also just started looking at content into it uh, in a very, just, yeah, it's like cartography, okay? Just what exists in, in, in space, what is the quality, what is the, the character, and also observing how people actually make use of those objects in space. And, and, and I think that that combination, which is more about recording what is there, just like uh, as you, if you were doing a, an, an archive, first it's important to actually record what exists, what was the design of what actually exists, the conditions, the materiality. But, uh, but like I said, taking it to the next level, which is how it gets used. Uh, therefore, it's from the kind of uh, two-dimensional side to the more uh, experiential side. What uh, we also uh, did on, uh, when we were conducting the audit, just related to specific elements, is just interviewing people mm. and, and getting their experience, not only basing our kind of uh, assessment on our observations, but also uh, getting um, the views or perspectives or mm. narratives from the users. And um, in, in, the lit, in the reading you sent me, uh, there were 70 interviews so you, there's a, a clear focus on um, getting a, a large proportion and you know of, of users and ensuring they are diverse and represent a, a lot of views. Um, yeah. Yes, and, and like I like I said, I mean it's predominantly um, a, a youth uh, culture. Mm. Uh, what we were trying to do, the representation was more on the uh, gender. There are more males than females that were interviewed. And that for us, that was also interesting, just uh, how many more males are on the street than females mm. um, and what, what were their perspectives. Mm. Yeah. We, we use soci social media to try to reach to also a broader audience and... and but again, I mean, we learned that social media is, is definitely something that young people do more mm. than others. 
I think it's a uh, a really really interesting part of the uh, participation uh, side of this project, um, and I'd love to hear more about the social media. I know that you partnered with the Love Brahm marketing and communication team, um, and it was launched on the fourteenth of February, uh, which goes so nicely with the you know that Love Brahm brand. That, that that's right. Yeah. Tell me. Um, uh, how long did the social media uh, engagement last for in these in this eight month project? It's considered to be a, a short uh, project, but what we trying to do is to form this relationship with Love Bram. Uh, we have done similar kind of um, uh, uh, taken a similar approach in other projects, and what we have found is that when the project finished then there is no host for mm. all the information and even if people want to go back to that, gets lost. By teaming up with somebody uh, or, uh, that is actually coordinating Love Bram and also have access to that platform, uh, we're hoping that this will actually provide the project with a, an, an, uh, just a much more extended kind of life and opportunities for engagement that will go beyond of what we are actually doing. What we have found is that already from some of the, the shops owners or people starting business, they are also interested to, to hear uh, what is coming out, what people are saying for marketing purposes, and also for, uh, to develop a better understanding of the of the market in, in Brandfontein and also of users, therefore it could actually have uh, other kind of applications. And uh, so, Love Bram are um, a, the marketing of Brandfontein Improvement District. And I was going to ask a little bit about this idea of of sharing the findings. So you've you're asking for feedback, you're getting it, you're interacting with the audience. Why, besides um, the potential of, of people building on current ideas to improve that area, why else is it important for, for you to share the project findings? You know, wouldn't it hold you and the client more accountable for reflecting um, audience findings in the outcomes? Yes, I think it's, um, it's, 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 would have been a, an option. Like I said, the idea is we're not that focused on the product or what will come out of this. What we feel that's got a lot, an enormous value is the conversation, is the interaction, is getting people that are actually using, for example, what we call the Elon Square and, and shops around to understand what could be done there to improve the, the business and at the same time, the quality of that space that actually people using there are more comfortable, they feel more secure. Uh, females also feel that they don't feel threatened by certain activities that are taking place. For the conversation goes beyond the material result. The, the idea is to talk more about being a lot more open about exploring public spaces, the street, the role that the street plays in, in, in our life as, as, a, 
as a place that not only connects us to things, but also brings a, a particular kind of experience. Um, I don't think we have written or explored enough that's something that relates to our particular context. We normally make references to European context, to American context, and, and not what happened in our, in our cities. Mm. And this is just a way of building up that, that kind of archive of, of information that we can all share. If, if we, anyone that is interested. Very valuable. The, uh, by, um, you know, there's, there's uh, participatory activations in those two spaces you mentioned. I know that you also had um, active research workshops, and I'm not sure if those were them. And, that, and during these active research workshops, um, the project uh, demonstrated uh, temporary tactical uh, examples of, of what may or may not work. Um, I know that there were cutout frames attached to lampposts for selfie opportunities. Uh, posters were attached uh, with uh, questions and uh, an area for people to write on feedback. And you also used active mapping to the trace participants' preferred route through the area. So with this, with this feedback, what value is, is WITS looking for in this investment that, that they're making in the, um, having gone through this process of attracting uh, the funding and managing it with their internal team? What are some of the ideal outcomes they want in this process? From the, the, the team that is coordinating this uh, particular project, we see uh, um, an attitude, uh, an openness for experimentation. When you work with institutions, it's not always that easy to really push <laughs> boundaries. <laughs> but, but I think it's, um, we have had um, one of the workshops that related to, to the activation on site was talking to security specialists not only people that are actually working for WITS, but pe people that are involved in the BID, uh, private initiatives, and also with the Johannesburg Partnership that actually got a, a much more, um, a better understanding of what is happening in the city and uh, areas that are very challenging. And I, and I think when you actually talk to them and you said, okay, but maybe we could start thinking about uh, adopting a, a, a more a soft approach. <laughs> they look mm. at you <laughs> with big eyes and say, what is that? Only, only an architect can say something like that. <laughs> Either you control or you don't. <laughs> and mm. we believe that they, uh, there's definitely is a different ways of doing things, and we're trying to find uh, something concrete that we can propose that people feel that could actually work, or they prepare to try. Uh, and that's what I'm saying is the level of experimentation that we feel that this this process could bring. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to hear how. Uh, that openness to experimentation is being, you know, designed into the process and as part of the outcome, where the outcome isn't a, a definite set of, um, of of steps, but questions that are more attuned to the environment that need further work to 
come up with and develop even better solutions to creating a safer and more secure public environment. Alan, I don't know if you have actually seen when we, we talk about public spaces, in many cases we do paving, we do some little bit of landscaping, lighting that in more, it's difficult to maintain, uh, and that's it. What we believe is that the soul of the public space is engagement. And just to uh, incentivize to, for that engagement, you need to program the spaces. It had to be go, had to go beyond the, the, the fixed element. Mm. Because we, I think as, as a society, we require or, or we get incentivized with a kind of a drama, theatrical uh, aspect of God coming together into public spaces. It's like to be in the foyer of a big opera house that you're there to see, to be seen, to learn, to actually enjoy um, fashion and, 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 and that act of actually coming together. Even if we're not really going to pursue or going to change uh, how we engage with people, but for that moment when we are in that public spaces, we are a collective. Mm. And so just to, to, to speak about that idea of enhancing the value of public space, obviously as a collective, we, um, we're exposed to one another, we're exposed to new ideas, we perhaps meet each other as fellow citizens and, and users of a space rather than a us versus them mentality. Uh, you know, we start to build up trust in our interactions and in our communities. And like you say, this happens when people come to a place and frequent it and uh, feel a common bond around an environment they love. So, uh, we, you know, you would have experienced that perhaps in a park that you frequent often if walking your dog or, uh, or perhaps a, a beautiful piece of nature that you go to often. And the joy of public space is that it offers that um, in an urban environment as well. You spoke a little bit about that programming side of things. Now, Programming is often, it's not low cost, and it requires a high degree of, of maintenance and involvement. And previously, you also mentioned that many projects, you know, you look at uh, a one or two capital uh, investment opportunities, perhaps improved lighting or maybe a mural or improving the paving, and there's very little operational involvement because it's, it's very difficult to get right. How can programming, also in perhaps in this area, uh, the Bramfontein and Witz area, be more a uh, low risk for the uh, municipality and for um, stakeholders involved in that space? Part of what we are actually trying to do is start talking and 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 being closer to city parks. I mean, there are a lot of individuals there that are interested in this type of process. Also, from the city, there's a unit called City Transformation, which is uh, part of the planning department, but they're very innovative and very courageous <laughs> officials that we had uh, um, the, the lack <laughs> to, to work with, that they're also interested to see how we could come up 
together with some new ways of, of looking at um, how we activate public space. Uh, also, uh, as you as you very clearly put it, it is not require resources and some kind of institutional arrangement to support that kind of activation. That is part of what we're actually trying to do. We have identified uh, nine different sites with different kind of intervention, potential intervention based on what we actually got from the process so far. And each one of those sites, the tiny little sites in some cases, we identify who could be the partners. And through that, just start talking directly, have an overall idea, but instead of trying to get one group that will take on everything, trying to actually say, this is, this is the possibilities, will you be interested in just taking care of this particular site, coming with solutions, looking after, um, making sure that it's, uh, it's, it's properly maintained, and if the lights are not working, they get replaced, um, and also engaging with, with the general program that could actually be um, managed by the BID, the mm. Business Improvement District in Bramfontein. Uh, yes, it's, it's very much about business and, and, and keeping the investment going and protected and the value of properties. But again, I mean, with SidePoint and many others, you're also working with individ indivi individuals that are really incredibly creative. They're very open to work with the creative sector. They have a program of murals. I don't know if you have seen it. That actually create possibilities for young artists and graffiti artists as well. All of that is already exists. We actually will take no credit on that. But and I think that's what makes this little exercise so much more exciting is because could actually bring those energies together because they are there, they are working, but each one is taking care of their own uh, little project. This could be something that could be done as a, a common purpose and by them bringing the expertise and the enormous resources, not only financial, but, but as, uh, as the experience in doing things, in making things, things happen. Yeah, and often um, developers and people with uh, you know, significant financial interests in a particular area are experts in that area. They have done an enormous amount of research and are very, very familiar with the area and how it is used. With the idea that you know, public spaces are, are there to stay and perhaps uh, financial interests or stakeholders are... May, not, may not, they may not be temporary, but they aren't permanent. What are some of the ways people can uh, investigate whereby you, you hold the interest of uh, the users of the space or the stakeholders around the space to, in that space? You hold their interest in that space, even though they may come and go and, and new um, stakeholders may come in. How can the space continue um, you know, being invested in and being seen as a priority with changing stakeholder base? Very important question. 
I think um, you actually alluding to the dynamic nature of public space. Um, first, we're not in this particular case. We're not that interested on the kind of a cappuccino culture. We're looking at people that don't necessarily drink cappuccinos, and it's not they're not in the space to consume, but to interact. And and obviously that is directly linked to the economy of the place. Uh, therefore, what is also we feel that because there is a synergy between the public space and the activity economic activities, we need to. Uh, make sure that those economic activities are also healthy and they also grow. Even if they change, not necessarily negative, but they continue to have and recognize that relationship with the, with the space. In the particular case that we are actually looking at, when we designed the, the Elan Square 16 years ago, there was a very different condition. There was a bookshop, there was a a little restaurant that was opening to that area. It was a very active uh, office uh, accommodation. All of that have changed. What was office today is residential. It's a student accommodation. Uh, the hairdressers now, there's a little supermarket. There's a fish and chip shop that sells the most fantastic and very affordable food. A, a, a little art gallery. For all of that, okay, already you can get a picture of how many things have changed around a little spot in the mm. city. And those are fact of, of uh, that's what happened. That's when we talk about the dynamic of, of the city is precisely that. It's never static. It's never just like it's a condition and will exist there for 100 years. Here it's very fluid, very uh, just uh, very interesting to see how a lot of little sparks happen that actually affected the way that the spaces are used, are perceived. And, and I think that's what we're trying to engage with. And we have no, offer no guarantee that the, the hairdressers will be there uh, for another 10 years or the efficient and cheap uh, shop that is actually attracting a wonderful group of uh, young people will also continue there. But it's understanding the space has got a value and can always respond. And there's always a synergy between ages and the space. That's why which age is such a poignant, relevant uh, perspective. It's, never, it's not about which, it's about the age how we work with the age uh, and what uh, the kind of responses that that actually generate. Very interesting, Monica. And um, I know that uh, we've, we're coming to the end of our time together. Um, and I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, questions that we could, we could discuss further. I'm very encouraged to see the work in Joburg in this area and the attention um, that it's been given, and I'm looking forward to the responses by the community and the stakeholders as they, you know, partner together to come up with uh, long-term sustainable structures and, uh, you know, realizations of opportunities uh, for these spaces, not just for 
you know, safety and security, but also for economic development and community building. Thank you very much, Ella. Monica, before I let you go, I want to ask uh, two more questions. The first one, books that you most frequently recommend to others, if, if we're looking to improve our, our reading list, uh, what were what's some of the books that you that you find yourself most frequently recommending? I think through uh, this whole COVID thing, we've been really reading more articles, engaging with uh, um, uh, seminars online, and I've actually revisited the the work of Yan um, Gell, um, also trying to read more about our conditions, the kind of a big debate about the African city, the colonization of, uh, of, of uh, our context, and what that it means. And I think there are quite um, uh, profound readings on that um, with Professor Mbembe and uh, uh, Loco, um, that has, she has actually also written from from the perspective of a female perspective and very, very, very provocative and exciting. The other examples is the work that uh, Cantor Space has done as part of the, uh, the building of the Serpentine Pavilion, the way that they engage with uh, communities in, in, in London, representing um, different realities and how that was captured um, in their work, uh, conceptually, and also in materiality. Yeah, for me, those are very important references at the moment. Great. Well, I'll have them linked up in the show notes. And finally, Monica, where can listeners learn more about you, your work, and your firm? At the moment, we have a very <laughs> uh, old website, but at least gives some kind of idea of what we have done in the past. We're trying to uh, be accessible through also Facebook and Instagram and also in LinkedIn. I'm there and I'm very happy and open to, to talk to anyone that is interested in this in this uh, kind of uh, line of work. Fantastic. I'll have those linked up in the show notes. Monica, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. All the best and, and please just do not hesitate to, to reach out. We're open to share and also to learn. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Places Plus podcast. If you want to develop special public and shared spaces, email me, alan at placesplusco.za.